Welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we have got a lot to talk about coming off of the Michigan National Championship. We also have some Harbaugh to talk about. Will he go to the NFL? Will JJ follow him to the NFL, or might JJ come back for another year? The Big Ten Conference. We had two teams, pseudo, kind of, two teams in 2024 in the National Championship, so there's a lot to talk about there. And then also, what's going on with Ohio State? Do we think they could actually contend? They got some uh, big transfers coming in. Does this mean good things? Do we think Ohio State has fallen off? We'll kind of talk about that a little bit. Got a great group here. We got Big Ten Gabriel, Brant, and Justin all to talk through it. I'm going to let these guys introduce themselves and tell you where you can find them at. Gabriel, let's start with you. Yes, hey, thanks for having me on again. Back-to-back week appearances, thank you. But no, Twitter, at Big10Gabriel. And then my work, you can find my written work, um, Big10Banter slash blog. Very good. Appreciate that, Gabriel. Brant, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, I'm Brant. I'm the founder and CEO here at Big Banter. Uh, you can find all of our stuff over on Twitter at Big Banter Sports, Instagram at Big Banter Sports, uh, TikTok, uh, working on rebooting that back up at Big Banter Media, I believe is what we're under uh but yeah definitely check out the website as well bigbannersports.com you can find all gabriel's stuff you can find uh some other cool blogs and learn more about the podcast network over there very cool justin you go ahead yeah first off thanks for uh having me back on jr and uh yeah so work for uh, nebraska football at the voice of college football over on mark rogers network of channels um i have a fantasy football podcast called Cheese Corn Sports, um, where we just break down fantasy, but it's the uh, lull of the offseason, so we'll be doing some offseason content. And then uh, also the Big Ten Show, at Big Ten Show on YouTube and Twitter. Um, if you uh, want to subscribe there, follow there. Um, but make sure you follow uh, JR's channel and Big Bander first. Very good. Yep. The Big Ten Huddle. Follow us over there. Appreciate that. We, uh, we're we going to get into it after we talk about like and subscribe. You always got to talk about that on YouTube. If you're on podcast, please do give us a rating over there as well. We appreciate that. And uh, subscribe as well so that way you can get every episode. All right, guys. Let's talk about the first thing on the agenda. We have... Michigan beating Washington 34 to 13. I feel like this is a bit closer of a game than maybe the score indicated. The late interception of the touchdown certainly helped to uh, pull away the margin of victory. Uh, but this, this was a game. I mean, you know, Michigan came out roaring. Washington kind of came back a little bit. And then obviously Michigan with their touchdown put a lot of pressure on Washington and Washington eventually turned the ball over causing the big interception return that would lead to another Michigan touchdown. Justin, we're going to go to you first. What were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I I thought it was just pretty much a, it went about how I expected. So my prediction was Michigan and then would keep it, Washington would keep it close in the first half and then Michigan would kind of do what they do. A la Rutgers, right? Rutgers kept it close in the first half with their physicality. Uh, Michigan just kind of, you know, imposed their will as the game went along. What they do is they wear you down. You know, they're very big, strong, physical, especially at the point of attack and line of scrimmage. So, you know, they went in there against a smaller, um, less talented Washington team, and they made Washington try to play their game. And, uh, you know, they forced Michael Penix to do what he struggles with, which is the, you know, middle of the field intermediate pass game. He likes the deep ball. He likes the short, quick screens and stuff like that. And and they uh, they kept the top on the defense. They made him make the throws and the tight windows he doesn't like to make. Michigan was just – there was no doubt in my mind they were the best team in college football this year. And uh, it went, like I said, about how I expected. I, I think the score was about – it played out kind of how the game went out. I just – I think Michigan was so much the better team throughout the game. And I think what really kept Washington in the game the first half was – and we talked about this, JR, was the play calling. Uh, the play calling in the first half made no sense to me. You have Donovan Edwards averaging 20 a carry at the time you're on that fourth and two and you pass the ball inexplicably. You know, And that fourth and two, if Michigan converts that, the game's over early. Um, so that kept Washington, and a lot of things kept Washington in the game. But, um, yeah, overall, just dominating performance by Michigan. What a way to cap off their season. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I was – going back and forth with people a little bit on Twitter about that. I mean, you had Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum both averaging like over 10 yards per carry, and they together had 11 um, uh, rushing attempts in the first half. 
J.J. McCarthy had 11 pass attempts, and obviously he was not being nearly as effective passing the ball, and it just didn't make any sense to me. So um, definitely saw them kind of go back to their Penn State roots in the second half, which I thought was you know what they needed to do the whole time. Brent, what were your thoughts? Thoughts on a championship? Was there a championship yesterday? <laughs> I, I remember that about as much as I remember the 2004 championship. Um, which, uh, if you recall, didn't actually end up existing, which is what's going to happen with this one. Um, it, it, it's going to be vacated. I, I'm not sure why we even played the game. Uh, but if, if by some, if, if it somehow doesn't get vacated, uh, it went, yeah, pretty much as expected. Michigan's defense just, it seems like they're in the right place at the right time at all times. And kind of weird how that happened. Like the secondary, lots of there. I saw lots of talking before, uh, before the snap. Lots of you know, lots of motion around in the in the secondary. Um, so not sure if there if there is a mysterious helper on the sideline there for uh, in the maze and blue, but uh, it sure seemed like it. I mean, whether they had the the call or the play calls or not. Um, they just played lights out on defense uh, to hold Mike Penix, who had you know one of the better, I'd say the best season in college football this year at the quarterback position. Uh, Heisman voters disagree with me, but I, I think Penix probably deserved the Heisman with the season that he had. Uh, but to hold him to to what they did last night was uh, pretty unbelievable. Um, that, I mean, there there's no holes in that defense. They've shown it time and time again all season long, uh, and they won a championship through their defense. Yeah, I mean, it was my question, what Michael Penix Jr. were we going to get? You know, were we going to get the Oregon State Michael Penix Jr. where, you know, he's less than 200 yards. Yes, he had two touchdowns, but he also had a pick. Were we going to get the Arizona State Michael Penix Jr. where, you know, no touchdowns, two interceptions, you know, a lot of yards, but still not very much production there. And early on, I thought, well, he's he's kind of dealing here. He's missing a few throws, but we could get the the really good Michael Penix Jr., uh, but he just kept missing throws, and I don't know if that was on him or on the wide receivers, but uh, Michael Penix Jr. had to be his best self in order to win this game, and he he just wasn't. Um, I, I think some of that goes to him, but I think you also got to give uh, Michigan credit for their interior pressure they were able to get with the defensive line. They were rotating four guys in there, and you really couldn't, unless you were looking at the numbers, you really couldn't tell who was in there because all four of those guys, uh, you know, Graham, Jenkins, Goody, um, or good. Now, Goody's a basketball player. Um, and then Grant, like all four of those guys were getting insane pressure. And it was, uh, it was hard to watch as somebody who was rooting for Washington in that one. Uh, Gabriel, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, we saw Michael Penix having to try to adjust on the fly to that constant in your face pressure. And even on the throws he was able to get off, he definitely did not look comfortable and looked rush. But, I want to get, bring up a slightly different point here. You know, Michigan, they won the championship, and we'll have an asterisk or not. We'll see. But more to the point, I think Michigan fans are doing this team a disservice. By now, I'm seeing it proclaimed that this is the best team ever, the best college football team ever. I mean, just off the top of my head in the modern playoff era of basketball, I think of the Deshaun Watson Clemson team. I think of any Alabama team that's won. Um, who else? The Joe Burrow team, LSU. Um, the OSU team that was led by with JT Barrett, Cardell Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott. Those are all teams off the top of my head that I think would definitely rank better, definitely more explosive on, on offense. And so now instead of us celebrating what was an overall really good season for this Michigan Wolverines team, I'm now forced to be in a position to say, Michigan Wolverines fans, this isn't the best team of the last decade let alone of all time yeah yeah i um i put a question out there just basically right after the game was over i ranked the you know all the playoff teams for the big 10 um uh, over the 14 playoff era and at the top i had tied 2014 ohio state 2023 michigan and i i felt like you know that was a good you know kind of tie there and i asked people what what do you think? You know, who who is the better team here? Obviously, I had a lot of Ohio State fans saying 2014 Ohio State. Uh, and I had some Michigan fans telling me 2023 Michigan. And then like you, Gabriel, I went off and I said, or I went off that 
post and I said, and I started looking at it, I was like, this is not the best team in college football ever. Trust me, I would love for the Big Ten to have the best team in college football ever. Um, but if we're being honest here, very good running game, very good defense. Um, but if you ask me, this was the worst pairing of quarterbacks ever in the national championship game. I've never seen a, a worse um you know, performance by two quarterbacks in the national championship game. JJ McCarthy was like 10 for 18 for a hundred some yards. Michael Penix Jr. Uh, he, he had a very low completion percentage, had a lot of yards, but he only had one touchdown pass, two interceptions. The only thoughts I have about maybe worse was that Tua Tua's first national championship game. I know he didn't have great stats, um, but still, I mean, in national championship games, we've gotten some pretty good quarterback performances and, um, I just felt like that we didn't get that in this game. Obviously, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards were you know fantastic for Michigan, so I'm not taking anything away from them. But um, Justin, did you have the same thoughts as me that like this is just not the quarterback play we're used to seeing in the national championship? Yes, uh, well, and and especially you know McCarthy when he came out and made that first little 30 yard laser down the sideline of 20, I forget how many yards it was, but that throw was money, right? And from then on out. Even the quick hitting throws, he was off, and and he has been, you know, accurate all season. He's been the mark of efficiency, and he. I, I don't know what it was. I I don't I don't think he's the type of person that that folds under the lights. I think he's he's built for that moment. But um, I I, I think it's going to fly under the radar just because, of course, they won. But that's because Michigan doesn't have to rely on him. At all, you know, he can come in and be a, a, a effective game manager, which he was. You know, he occasionally picked up first downs when his legs when he needed to. Very underrated as a runner, um, but he made the plays that he needed to for them to win. He just didn't do what he could have to put that game away earlier, and uh, I think that's the difference. And Penix, they're they're so reliant on Penix and Washington that he has to do it all himself, and so him being off is. You know, I do think the physicality of Michigan's defense threw him off. I don't think that was something he was accustomed to. But I would have to agree, just just because it was set up to be – I was very excited for the quarterback duel. I don't think a lot of the casual fans knew about J.J. McCarthy and knew how good actually he was. Um, and so I was excited for the, for that for that battle. We, you know, I was a little bit disappointed that, that it didn't turn into, you know, better quarterback play. But overall, you know, I was just – Happy for the Big Ten, impressed with um, with you know the way uh, JJ McCarthy didn't didn't get fold under pressure. He didn't he didn't get but you know he didn't start trying to force things. He still stayed within the confines of the offense. He still did what he normally does and, and just made himself be a game manager when he had to. He, did, he just didn't didn't try to put too much pressure. And I, I that has a lot to do with just how well balanced that team is. And I think I think Penix was feeling the pressure a lot. Because he knows how much he means to that team, and and that team doesn't go without him. So yeah, I think I think it's a double. It's two two different sides of the coin as to why they struggled. But yeah, it was disappointing overall. Yeah, and I think you know if you're a Michigan fan, you're watching this, and you're like, you know, why are you degrading our team? I, I'm not uh, to win a national championship game, score 34 points, and your quarterback only throws for 140 yards and no touchdowns, like. You got a really good team if you can do that, uh, especially against, you know, another undefeated, um, what was it, 14-0 team. And so, um, Brant, my question to you, is this team, is this Washington team as bad as they looked in the national championship, or is, is Michigan just that good that they made them look like a bad team? What are your thoughts? No, absolutely not. First off, I just want to say back to the point about McCarthy and his play in the game. I definitely agree with Justin that he made the plays he needed to make uh, kind of in more of a game manager role than uh, a role where, you know, Penix is kind of forced to play the hand of he has to make the plays or they're not going to win the game. Um, but to the point about McCarthy and how he played, I mean, Michigan almost put it away early with those two big runs from Edwards and then uh, some South defensive play early on. It was 14 to three and the game could have gotten out of hand real quick, real early. And then they started kind of putting the ball in J.J. McCarthy's hands to make plays. And Washington crept right back into the game. They were right there um, until until they started going back to that run game with uh, Core and making some big plays on the ground. 
Um, it seemed like if if the game were in McCarthy's hands, maybe we would have we would have seen a different outcome because he really he I mean he made the plays when he needed to with his legs at the end of the game to kind of ice the game. Uh, he made some pretty clutch third down throws um, to to keep the ball moving, but early on in that game, it it really seemed like when they put the ball in his hands, he let Washington back into the game. Um, so that was, that was kind of interesting. Um, I, is McCarthy, is McCarthy that guy? I, I don't know, but he just went, he just went and won a championship. So got to give him credit where credit's due. Um, but to your point, your question about uh, is Washington that bad? No, not at all. I mean, we saw this team fight through what I think, and, and we'll touch on this later is the best conference in college football or was the best conference in college football this year. Um, and that may be a little bit of a hot take, um, but I, the Pac-12 is the best conference in college football and this season, in my opinion. Um, and Mike Penix had his way. I mean, maybe they're not as sad on defense, but that a lot of great teams top to bottom uh, that Penix had his way with. He led the nation in passing. Uh, that wide receiver trio that Washington has um, is, I mean, they've got three NFL guys that could be drafted in the first round at wide receiver probably a few day two guys but uh odonze is definitely a first round pick mcmillan's probably a day two guy polk mcmillan and polk are right there at the bottom of the draft uh, of round one potentially uh maybe day two um but yeah that they're they're a great team they're they're in the championship for a reason they won all their games they were i think the clear-cut number two team behind michigan and michigan just is that good um at, at all positions uh, like a, their defense just unmatched one of the best we've seen in college football uh, in recent years. And their offensive line really can just open up holes for anybody, even without Zach Zinner out there. It's it's just different on, on their offensive line. Can JR, can I, do you mind if I piggyback just real quick on his point in your question? So, and I think what, what a lot of, you know, what that question has to do with, I think it's coming into the game, right? Text people watch a Texas game, Washington, Look on the screen, it jumps off, right? They they look like a sexy team because it's offense, right? Deep throws, electric offense. And I think Michigan, you know, they were in a more physical grinded out game because that's a Michigan style. Their stats don't jump off the screen because they've been up 50 to 7 multiple times or just up by crazy numbers multiple times a season. So I think just the general consensus coming into it was that I think Washington was just a little bit overrated as far as the public consensus. And I think Michigan was extremely underrated based on that. So I think it's more so that than the the actual caliber of the teams, you know. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah. and one I, more. Oh, sorry, one more thing. Just like this, this kind of Washington team, they kind of remind me of the CJ Stroud Ohio State era, where your defense isn't that great. You've got the sexy offense with the big arm quarterback, the insane wide receivers. But it's just not enough to win championships, and uh, that was proven last night. Yeah, I felt like they had the receivers. Um, I feel like Michael Penix Jr. was good, not as good as CJ Stroud personally. Uh, but the big no. difference on the defense was, you know, the secondary for Washington. I felt like you know was much much better. Uh, but where they really struggled was the defensive line. I just I I never felt like, and I said it in our first preview when Washington first made the playoffs. Uh, I never felt like they had the size, the the strength uh, to really battle with some of these SEC um, defensive lines or offensive lines. And and we saw it against Texas that that was a weakness. But you know Sark kind of got into his own head, and it's kind of what play calling head coaches do, where uh, he kind of went away from what worked. And Michael Penix Jr. was obviously dealing in that game, and and they put it away from him so we're gonna get on to our next point and we're gonna let gabriel start us off here but uh will jim harbaugh go to the nfl so rumors have been swirling that the he has interest with the bears the raiders the chargers um you know i and i just want to kind of open it up with the question and gabriel will start with you do you believe jim harbaugh is going to the nfl i don't think he is and i personally don't want him to I think it's better for college football and football in general if he stays in Ann Arbor uh, for a multitude of reasons, not the least, which he, uh, he, so to speak, I'm self into this mess now with the possible investigations that are coming. It'd be, it'd be fun to see. They already have the bet slogan that they, that they wore on all season. Now, if something more were to come, it'd be cool to see how they face that adversity as a team. So there's that storyline. But then second, just like what we saw 
um, today, which I think is a mistake from the Tennessee Titans. You know, we have Tricky from the Turtleheads. He's, um, in one sense, I'm the antith- antithesis. Try saying that three times fast to his to his take on firing coaches. Uh, me, me personally, I I like to see a coach get three, four, five years and give them a chance to develop and implement their system and see how it goes. So what we saw today was Mike Vrabel getting let go. You know, owners, they get hot and cold, and some days they're more hands-off. Other days they are like, hey, we need you to draft so-and-so at quarterback, you know, or we need you to go ahead and send this guy. And I don't think that's how Harbaugh operates at his best. You know, the more hands-on he can be or the better he can be at delegating directly instead of having to answer to the whims of an NFL owner, I think that will serve him best for his career. And then, you know, I just, I want to see, I'm going to say this again. I really just want to see if he comes back to Michigan and they're able to go on another run or then Ryan Day is able to even up the scoreboard against him in the Michigan OSU rivalry. I think that'd be much, a much more fascinating, much more fun storyline then, you know, another assistant coach comes in or another big name comes in and picks up the reins from, from where Michigan left off this season. Yeah, I mean, we certainly got a good rivalry going on between Harbaugh and Day. Um, and, you know, Day loses next year. It sounds like uh, that could possibly end, but it also sounds like it could possibly end with Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL. So it's really, really interesting to talk about and see. Justin, are you with Gabriel? You think he's going to stay or are you kind of on the other side? I think he's going to get going. No, I think he's out. Um, I think, you know, this is the perfect scenario for him to leave, right? All of this stuff is on Michigan as far as the cheating and the investigation. He has an opportunity right now to get out of that mess on top. Um, the Chargers right now are the heavy favorite, of course, according to the betting odds to land them. And um, to Gabriel's point, you know, owners, David Tepper, for instance, of the Panthers, uh, way too involved in, in football personnel moves. I think Harbaugh can create the demand to really find an owner that he meshes well with and an owner that might give him a lot of that control and trust him with that. Um, you know, Bill O'Brien was that for the Texans. I'm a Texans fan. And it went, it was a failure, right? But Harbaugh is proven to be able to not only get and develop players, but the changes he made to his staff over the last three years were the keys to getting them over the hump. And, uh, you know, because him going from people calling for his head a few years back to not in him making some changes on the staff and making some personnel changes and look how it completely turned around. So I think wherever he goes, they're going to give him an opportunity to, um, you know, take as much of the reins as they're, as they're willing to give. And I think he'll go to the place that gives him the majority of that opportunity. He goes to a place potentially in the chargers where, you know, he's got his quarterback um, or if he goes to the bears, he might have his pick of quarterback who knows, you know, when that situation or the Raiders definitely has his pick of quarterback in the draft. So um, I think he's gone. I think Michigan will try to match whatever offer they they're giving him in the NFL, but I just think the situation right now is too, too good for him to not leave. Yeah. I mean, Michigan really wants him back. Ward Manuel had his comments saying, you know, they want him back. And, um, you know, if I'm Michigan, I want him back too. Uh, if, if he can survive, whatever the NCAA is going to do, I've heard some people say they're getting the worst fit. I've heard some people say the NCAA has no backbone. They're not going to do anything. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen. But, um, you know, if they end up not getting anything, it, it would make sense for Michigan to hang on to Harbaugh uh, and kind of match whatever the NFL tries to pay him. Brant, you uh, break the tie here for us. What are your thoughts? Jim Harbaugh to the NFL, yay or nay? Yeah, drum roll. I'm going to have to side with Justin on this one. Uh, I mean, the rumors have been hot for the past three, four years that he's going to the NFL. He always kind of feels around and plays with Michigan's emotions and then comes back. Uh, it's what we've seen. So I understand why Gabriel thinks thinks the way he does, but I mean, it's like Justin said, it's just the perfect situation. He's going to come back. If he were to come back to Michigan, he's coming back to a program that's probably going to get slammed by the NCAA uh, within the next few months to year. Um, And that's just not a good situation for any coach to be in. He just won a championship. Uh, He can take his take take off and uh, kind of reset with a clean slate in the NFL. Uh, He's already had success in the NFL 
obviously a lot of people or a lot of teams are interested in him because of that and because of the success he's had with turning Michigan around. Um, I think he's gone. I think there's there's plenty of openings in the NFL. Um, I think there's going to be mutual interest somewhere, and we'll probably see it announced here within the next few weeks. And and right now his value is at its highest. Um, 100%. Michigan, you know, like Gabriel said, they're talking about this. They're talking about it. It's not one of the best teams of all time, but probably the best Michigan team of all time. When is his value going to be ever higher than it is right now? It's only going to be down from here. I, I compare it to like fighters who uh, like, you know, boxers and stuff like that who stay in the game a little bit too long after they were on top and they start taking some brutal knockouts and it tarnishes their legacy. And and that's something I don't think he wants to do. Yeah, I uh, I actually kind of side here more with Gabriel uh, and kind of for the opposite of the same reasons you gave Brant is I'm like, look, the guy has had every chance to leave. He's had, you know, uh, the Vikings, which wanted him and I, you know, may- maybe he hasn't had history there. I don't really know if that really plays a factor with Jim Harbaugh, but um, we've seen this song and dance before. I get it, the cheating stuff. I get it. He didn't win a national championship uh, in those years, and maybe he wanted to do that. Um, but I think Jim Harbaugh is just doing everything he can to try and get more money out of Michigan. Uh, I could be wrong. We'll see. But I, I really just feel like you know Jim has built something, and I, I truly think he believes he's not going to get – any type of punishment that, you know, well, I shouldn't say any type of punishment. He's going to get a very weak punishment from the NCAA. Uh, you know, whether that be some scholarships lost, whether that be, you know, uh, uh, another, um, what's it called? Uh, him not coaching games, being suspended or whatever else that might be. Um, I, I think he is going to come back. It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, but I also would not be super surprised if he leaves. Um, the other connection piece to this and Brant we'll start with you on this one um do you think that JJ McCarthy's NFL decision will be influenced by what happens with Jim Harbaugh say Jim Harbaugh leaves is he going to say well my head coach is gone I'm just going to go ahead and head off too or if Jim Harbaugh comes back is he going to say let's run this back let's go back to back uh Brant what are your thoughts yeah I mean they do seem to have a really tight relationship so I think if Harbaugh leaves he's definitely gone but I think even if Harbaugh comes back, McCarthy might just, you know, book it for the NFL. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, Michigan's probably going to throw some good NIL money at him to, to get, try to get him to return. Um, and some more development could always be great for him. You know, you like like you saw in the championship last night, uh, he didn't really make big plays when needed. He just kind of made plays when needed um, as more of a game manager. Uh, so there's definitely more value for him to recoup by coming back um, as far as the draft goes, especially with how deep the quarterback draft class is this year. Um, so definitely an opportunity for him to come back, but I'm not sure if we'll see it. I, I really don't know which side I lean on in this one. I'm I'm just going to let the kid make his decision and kind of sit back and see what happens. It's it's kind of tough to call my shot here. Yeah. Justin, what do you think? I think, you know, I think it's, Going to come down to more so him assessing his value versus as a. I don't think it's going to be a, a hardball decision type of move for him. I don't think he's weighing in on that. We're in the business of the NIL now, right? And, and, uh, you know, people talk about, you know, when quarterbacks and receivers transfer out, them being a package deal, you know, they're going to go to a different school. Those times are done. It's, it's business now. Each person is looking out for their own best interests. And I think McCarthy is probably going to, gauge interest and gauge um you know what he thinks his value is but in the nil these days you get paid a lot more um than the you know these guys in college get paid a lot more you know brock purdy uh for instance eight hundred thousand dollars you know and then you got guys like um you know uh dylan riola getting two million you know what i'm saying it, it's it's wild it's just absolutely wild so i think he's going to make the best business decision for him i don't think harbaugh the decision is going to factor in for him um but i am I'm, I'm with brand as i'm not 100 percent sure i know he has the confidence in the moxie that he you know he probably has the confidence himself to to know he could be at the next level but similar to harbaugh maybe he wants to come back another year and, and get his value at its peak you know and um especially off that performance it's a risk but uh, again, he trusts his skills, so maybe he wants to come back and do it. Maybe he wants to leave on top. Those are the those are the questions that are going to make the difference, and those are the questions only he can answer. So, 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the NIL because that's a huge thing in, in college athletics nowadays. Uh, from everything I'm hearing, that's what's actually bringing back uh, a lot of these Ohio State guys who normally would go off to the league, like a Jack Sawyer, uh, like a Donovan Jackson, those kind of guys. Um, and, and, you know, Michigan's been making an NIL push with some of their message boards. Um, the on three message boards, some of their staff there has been making heavy pushes telling people we need more NIL. Now, some people interpret that as Michigan is desperate. Um, I don't know if I really interpret it that way. I think, you know, coming off a national championship when you should, you, you know, you should have some good NIL. But I, I've been interpreting that as, you know, J.J. McCarthy might come back. And if he can get the right price uh, and make similar money to what he might make in the draft as a late first-round pick to a uh, early second-round pick, then, um, you know, he might he might just come back and, and try to run this back and do it again. Uh, Gabriel, you're the last one on this. What are your thoughts? Uh, J.J. McCarthy to the NFL? And does Jim Harbaugh influence it? What do you think? I might say something controversial here. Uh, the only way you get better at football is by playing football. And that can be sometimes lost in these NIL discussions going, staying, going to bro, especially at quarterback. The quarterbacks that are having success now not only have, I forget the exact number of starts, but I think it was 20 plus starts, but they were slinging the rock around. They were running the offense, you know, as fully capable as possible. If we're being honest about what we've seen this year from um, from J.J. McCarthy, is it's been a limited offense at times, and you know you can't fault him for that. But at time, uh, for a lot of it, the Michigan team won because of the defense, through the defense, and not necessarily because of him. Especially in terms of throwing mechanics, getting those live in-game reps will better prepare and better suit him for when he does make that NFL jump. Could he go in there now and, you know, make a team and then probably get thrust into play an NFL game, especially with all the injuries that are going on? Yes, absolutely. But for him, I think he needs another season, um, not only in this system, but with the playbook opening up just a little bit more so he can then be better prepared. And then just in terms of if it's connected with Harbaugh or not, if he were to go, what other school would want him? I think they they see and they say, wow, he had a lot of great pieces around him, but he's not the difference maker to bring our school from this level to the next level, at least not at this moment. So him staying at Michigan, whether Harbaugh goes or not, I think is the best move for one more season. Very interesting. And, and- Oh, I'm sorry. Just another reason why I don't think the Harbaugh will will matter because he does that that team tr- trusts Sharon Moore. He's probably going to be the heir apparent, and uh, Harbaugh trusts Sharon Moore, which is another reason why he might leave because you know Sharon Moore he he's done it. He's won with that team, and he and he trusts him. So that was that's what I was going to say. Is it seems like he has a very special relationship with Sharon Moore. Maybe not to the same degree that he has with Jim Harbaugh, but um, even if Jim Harbaugh does leave, I think, you know, he still has a special relationship with the guy that everybody would assume would take, take over for Harbaugh uh, if he does go. So, all right, great discussion there. Let's move on to the best conference in college football. Is it going to be the big 10 in 2024? I think most people would agree that it was the PAC 12. I know SEC fans want to argue and say all of their stuff. Uh, face it, SEC, you didn't have a great year. You might have the best recruiting rankings, but as we saw against Michigan, recruiting rankings don't always result in the win. So, um, you know, the SEC obviously had a down year. I think the PAC 12 was the best conference this year, but in 2024, the Big Ten is going to be adding four of the best teams in the Pac-12. The Big Ten this year in Power Five games outside of their conference, they were nine and twelve. So it wasn't it wasn't a great year. The SEC was twelve and thirteen. Uh, every other team or every well, except for the ACC, they were twelve and fourteen. The Big Twelve and the Pac-12 were the two conferences that had winning records against non or against Power Five teams and. Other than this game that we just watched with Michigan and Washington, none of these Pac-12 teams coming in 
lost to a Power 5 team. USC beat Louisville, Oregon, beat Texas Tech, uh, Washington, they beat Michigan State, they beat Texas. So we're adding some teams who have really dominated other Power 5 teams. You might say they weren't exactly all on the same level, but I think there's a lot to be excited for with the strength of the conference going into 2024. And if the SEC is not careful, they might just not be the best conference in college football for two years in a row. Brant, you had some thoughts on this earlier. So what say you? Will the Big Ten be the best conference in 2024? Yeah, I think hands down uh, they will be. You know, it's already it's a top heavy conference right now um, with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State being, you know, that top tier. And then you've got a lot of teams that can go out and compete as, as shown in bowl season. You saw teams like Maryland and Northwestern go out and beat uh, middle tier teams from other conferences, um, namely the SEC and the Pac-12. But then you go and you add uh, Washington, who was just in the championship, Oregon, whose only two losses were to Washington, USC, who, I mean, maybe they're not as sound on the defensive side of the ball, but they've got a coach with a lot of experience. Um, they've got you know, one of the best offensive coaches in college football. Uh, a lot of people would say Lincoln Riley is. Um, and then you add UCLA, who um, I guess Chip Kelly's still under contract there. I know there were a lot of rumors of him potentially being fired, but looks like he might be back for another year. And uh, that's that's another great, great football coach with a lot of uh, positive experiences um, in college football. So you add those four, um, you're going to stick Washington and Oregon right in that top tier with uh, Michigan and Ohio State uh, and Penn State. Uh, USC is going to be knocking on that door, too. Uh, UCLA is going to be probably down to that next year, like in Iowa, uh, maybe Nebraska up there next year. But, um, it's yeah, it, I, long answer to the question. Uh, short answer is yes, that's, that's going to be the best conference in, in football next year. I know the SEC adds Oklahoma and Texas to what they already have, but I just think the Big Ten is going to be deeper. Well, Washington just beat Texas. So, exactly. You know, I mean, better add than Texas, right? Um, Gabriel, I- I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think the Big Ten is going to be the best conference in 2024? Well, not only is the Big Ten going to be the best conference in 2024, but I mean, they have been, you know, they have been for the past 10, 12 years, I would say, hands down. It's no, no, no debate in my mind. For now, with the addition of the four West Coast teams, we're definitely the most national conference, hundred percent. So we have the most, um, we have the most coast to coast viewership, and what that I think that'll help in recruiting. We now also have the most diversity in terms of teams that that have different styles and different approaches. Where the SEC, they're not all the same, obviously, but you know, a little, they're a little more closer, a little more closer than not compared to how the Big Ten is, and so. And then just in terms of the teams in general, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan are going to be out there. And then we have resurging teams that, you know, had a couple off years, but are coming back. Um, Nebraska, laugh now if you want, but we're, we're back. Wisconsin, they, they've had, um, under Luke Fickle, they've had some really nice moves. And then you can't discount uh, a Purdue, a Northwestern, you know, another team that could surprise you to sneak into to go on a run and possibly sneak into this new playoff format so and that and then from the four west coast teams i would say i think i like oregon the best coming in in terms of just overall um, coaching playmaking ability offensive firepower and when i and when i say recruiting too so now we can recruit everywhere and you know if you go to oregon and you're from say new york city Okay, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna. My family's gonna have a chance to watch me when we play at Rutgers, or um, if you're from the middle of country, you know that's really where the majority of Big Ten conferences. Or if you're from California and you go to Nebraska, all right, we have a chance to. My family and friends can watch me play at UCLA, Oregon, or Oregon, UCLA or USC. So just in terms of all that, the brand recognition and all thanks to, uh, all thanks to a financial. Uh, marketing error what 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 was it by 10 million dollars 20 million dollars where they overstated uh, so all thanks to the pac 12 you know missing a couple zeros this beautiful powerful conference is going to just get that much more strong 
Yeah, I mean, I think you guys both make really good points. Justin, uh, you as optimistic as these two guys about the Big Ten in 2024? I'm taking, hear me out. I'm taking a little different angle here because I'm trying to look at it a little more in depth. When thinking about it a little more in depth, look at the game that we watched yesterday, okay? We saw the clash of styles at the top, like we mentioned, with the Pac 12 versus the Big Ten, okay? The question that poses to me was because what Washington struggled with the most was the physicality of Michigan. Now, it's easy to look at these teams and the way they're currently structured with the teams they currently play in the conferences they're currently in and just slide them over, right? But there's going to be a transition period. Look at Scott Frost, you know, saying the Big Ten's going to have to adapt to us. And, you know, that wasn't the case. What we saw yesterday is that Big Ten football will beat Pac-12 football, and it will beat them the Big Ten way. And so the Pac-12 is going to have to adjust more than anybody. How long does that adjustment take? Because they're going to have to get bigger and more physical at the at the line of scrimmage, especially because they're going to get wore down over the course of a Big Ten season. So with offensive lines especially, it's really hard to build a solid offensive line through the transfer portal. It's not a quick thing because those are a unit, right? The offensive line more than anything works as a unit. They need to have that camaraderie. They need to have the cohesiveness. They need to know their quarterback. That just comes in time and experience with those guys. So my question is going to be, can these Oregon, Washington offensive lines come in and succeed in the Big Ten? And also, when they start recruiting the Big Ten talent, are they going to take a step back as, you know, it's it's probably no different than a coach coming in and implementing his style, and they take a couple steps back while they're recruiting, and then they kind of come to the forefront. Is that process going to take place in the Big Ten? I think the Big 12 teams can transition a little bit better over to the SEC. So I think what it's going to be is I think overall as a conference, I think the SEC might have more teams in the top 25. Um, but I think the Big 10 is going to have more teams at the top. And that's that's kind of my take on it. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Penn Snake Penn, Penn Snake. Penn State sneaks up there if if uh, Aller can take you know a step and uh, I, I like Penn State's team next year. Um, I'd put them above the Oregon and Washington just for the reason I mentioned. I just I I don't know how that transition is going to go, and I think the meshing of the uh, the Pac-12 team or the uh, Big 12 teams and to the SEC is going to be a little bit smoother. Long term, though, I think the Big Ten, no doubt. Yeah. Can I add one quick thing, please? Uh, yep. Just to. Um, kind of to agree with you, Justin, what we've seen from the SEC is they've transitioned more so to looking and playing like Big 12 has. And so just to your point, I, that would be for the short term, at least 100% a more seamless transition. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, the Big 10 has always been about defense and hard-nosed football, running the ball. And, and to your credit, Gabriel, we saw LSU and Ole Miss, two teams that, you know, were good SEC teams. They weren't top tier but they were very good maybe tier two tier three teams who had you know high powered offenses but i mean let's face it those defenses stunk <laughs> i mean they they were not good at all and so we're, we're we're seeing the sec transition here a little bit and i think that the pac-12 is going or the pac-12 teams are going to get some help coming into the big 10 but it's not easy to find linemen in the transfer portal and they're going to get help from the transfer portal but a lot of those linemen that you need to play against big 10 teams they need to be homegrown, corn-fed boys who, you know, grow up and are strong. And um, honestly, you just don't get that on the West Coast as much as you do in the Midwest. You know, uh, schools like Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, uh, you know, those are schools that they get those big guys and they can really make an impact. And I even think Nebraska is recruiting a lot in that way as well. So they're starting to shore up their offensive line uh, and defensive lines as well. So it's going to be an interesting uh, addition to the Big Ten to see how they work out. But um, let's go, go rapid fire here a bit. And we'll start with you, Justin. Um, give me, I don't know, four or five, maybe a few less, if you think teams that you think have the best chance to make the playoffs in 2024 from the Big Ten. I got four listed I, in order, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Oregon. Wow. 
What do you think, Gabriel? Ah, ditto. Yeah, exact same. Brant, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go three. I'm going to leave Penn State off that list. Um, and just because I, I, I don't believe in Drew Aller. And we'll see we'll see if he makes me eat my words. I actually haven't looked at their schedule next year, so that's definitely a big thing as well, uh, just depending on who you draw in the schedule. Uh, definitely going to be a huge, just as, as far as how many wins you're able to rattle off. That's going to definitely affect your uh, ranking, uh, especially with you know there being five, six really good teams in the Big Ten, and the rest are probably more winnable games for that top tier. Uh, but as of right now, I'm sitting at three. Yeah, I think uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon, those are kind of the big three. I would not be surprised if Washington catches fire with Will Rogers and can, uh, you know, maybe be a nine and three team that squeaks into the playoffs. I know they play a few Big Ten teams, but they also play some West Coast teams. And and I think the West Coast teams who play at home are going to have a pretty big advantage. And so that's going to help them a lot as well. Some of the travel that some Big Ten teams are going to have to take out there. Uh, and that'll be good for them to, uh, to, to uh, until, battle in that way until the winter time. Well, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> they have to face it, which I yeah. think it's cold up in Washington, right? Yeah, Seattle, not like the Midwest, bro. It's it's like forty two in Arizona right now, and I'm freezing. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's get to our last topic here. Ohio State adds the number six quarterback in the transfer portal, the number one running back in the transfer portal, the number one inside offensive lineman. That is Will Howard, Quinshawn Junkins, and Seth McLaughlin. Uh, those are pretty big names coming into the transfer portal. Two of those guys just entered uh, after what the play the first round of the playoffs and uh Quinshawn Judkins you know he committed right after the national championship game so uh that was uh pretty ballsy of him to do in that situation especially right after the rival of the team that he committed to left or the rival of the team that he committed to won right before that Brent you're our Ohio State guy uh you tell me what are your thoughts on Ohio State adding these players kind of like a, a trio of transfer portal players oh I'm absolutely ecstatic uh these are you, you really couldn't couldn't grab better players at each position out of the portal in my opinion uh, for what Ohio State needs uh, I'm not sure exactly where he pulled those rankings from I, I have two four seven. okay I have two four seven pulled up it looks like I have Will Howard fifth here. I'm not sure if I'm looking at this oh, right, the right fair. thing. Okay. But the four names in front of him are Aiden Childs, who's going to Michigan State, Dante Moore, who's going to Oregon. So two Big Ten guys there. Malik Murphy, who left Texas for Duke, and Malachi Nelson, who left USC for Boise State. Um, the thing with those four guys is they're all kind of projects. It's not what Ohio State needs. They need a guy who's going to come in, take over the locker room, who has experience, and who's a proven winner. And that's what Will Howard is. Um, he's won at Kansas State. He won that Big 12 championship uh, last year. He can make plays with his legs, uh, which really opens up the offense in a way that we, I mean, we CJ Stroud has legs, but he didn't really use them until that Georgia game. Um, Justin Fields, kind of the same thing. He, I mean, he'd scramble from time to time, but not as much as he does now. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if it's more of a play calling thing because those guys, we've had guys under center who have had the talent to run with their legs. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think Will Howard is, I mean, at Kansas State, it, he was always scrambling um, and making plays uh, when needed with his legs. So I, I'm excited about that aspect, kind of opening back up in the Ohio State offense. Um, I, I'm super excited. I think he's the perfect uh, fit for the offense. And then Quinshawn Judkins, uh, best running back in college football, in my opinion, last year. I was surprised to see him hit the portal. Uh, he can do amazing things. He can he can, there's really what can he not do is the real question he can, he can do it all as a running back he's the perfect running back he he's a guy who's probably a first round nfl pick and you don't see that often out of the running back position just because on paper he's got the speed he's got the pass blocking he's got the hands he, he can hit the holes uh he's just the perfect running back so i'm super excited about bringing him in and potentially pairing him with Travion henderson is i mean that's going to be an appointment television to watch um, and just also flips Ohio State back to that kind of ground and pound style that we haven't seen them have in a while. Um, that's going to depend what the offensive line looks like. I know it was a little shaky this season, uh, but bringing in Seth McLaughlin is going to shore things up. The one uh, nuance that I have with McLaughlin, and I'm sure 
most Ohio State fans have after watching, you know, the one big game we probably all watched him play in. The dude could not snap a football in that Michigan game. I mean, he he probably cost Alabama the game, um, just the way that, that he snapped the ball. So my hopes are that he comes in and he slots in at uh, one of the guard positions, taking over for Matt Jones or Donovan Jackson if he ends up leaving. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Carson Hinsman's future in the program is definitely a question mark after uh, he went on a podcast and was kind of saying some things that um, – probably got him benched in that bowl game but from just a pure center perspective i would rather have hensman out there than mclaughlin uh, just, just i mean it's a one game sample size but i really didn't like what i saw uh, from him uh, snapping the ball in that game and hensman was fine all season long uh good snaps good blocking our interior offensive line was fine this year is really the tackles that uh cause issues but so uh, but i'm still happy adding adding uh mclaughlin a guy Anytime you can add a guy with experience starting on the line at Alabama, it's probably a good pickup. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that McLaughlin, if nothing else, breeds some competition uh, for Carson Hensman and maybe makes him work a little bit harder. Um, I could see either guy starting at center this year for Ohio State. Uh, Justin, you told us before the show that you're kind of a, a pseudo Ohio State fan, so I'm sure you've uh, you know been following this closer than maybe most Husker fans have. What are your thoughts on the recent transfer portal additions? Yeah. So first things first, you know, it says, will Ohio State contend for the Big Ten in 2024? I think there's no doubt. I think they'll win it. Um, and I think they'll be, you know, firmly in the top uh, three positions, three top spots. Um, I think overall, they were a top four team this year. I think yesterday's game proved it because, you know, Ohio State went blow for blow with Michigan and just came out on the wrong end of it at, you know, barely. But they were clearly one of the best four teams this year. I don't think the quarterback swap, I think it's more of a lateral move. And that might be why they're going a little bit more potentially to the run game. Um, you know, Quinchon Judkins, three-star recruit. Um, I believe he was, you know, number two overall player in the portal at one point. Um, 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns as, as a freshman this season, 1,100 yards, 271 carries over the course of his, you know, two years. So he's, 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 been able to take on a a big workload and prove that he can he can last. Um, yeah, fifteen touchdowns this year, sixteen touchdowns last year. Big big physical guy, but he can receive twenty two receptions, one hundred forty nine yards and a touchdown. Um, you know they run the RPO kind of style there, but you know with with Mayan Williams leaving, Travion Henderson undecided right now. This is such a huge pickup just because of the main Travion Williams uh, not being decided yet because. That or Travion Henderson, sorry, that became, you know, the biggest question mark for this Ohio State team next year after um, the quarterback position was cemented. Um, so I, you know, I think he's going to just light it up, and uh, like like Brant said, I think he's going to be a a very good uh, back NFL prospect as well. Seth McLaughlin, yeah, the the snap issues, you know, his last game wasn't really the best uh, show. Or what he can offer, um, he's got two years to play. You know, he's he's a fifth year center, but he's got the 2020 COVID year. He redshirted um, his first year, so I believe he has two years to play. But yeah, I also agree he's going to move over to guard. There's no way they're going to keep him at center, especially you know he even had a bad snap on the last play of the game there. Um, and so, fun fact though, he's from Buford, Georgia, um, which is where Dylan Raiola played. Uh, football's last year. Just had to throw a little nugget in there, but he started all 14 games. He played better in 2021 and 2022, um, according to PFF, than he did in 2023. He's a 70 graded 2021 and 2022 and about a 54 in, uh, in 2023. I think Ohio State sees the potential, though. I think Ohio State sees the potential there, and I think they feel like they can bring him on and moving him to guard will make all the difference. And uh, I agree. The dude's a a big physical uh, lineman. I think, I think he answers a big part of the question of what this Ohio state team is going to look like schematically next year. And yeah, it's going to be heavy dose on the ground. And I think, um, Will Rogers becomes a little bit of a, of a game manager style of quarterback, but I 100% think Ohio state is going to be one of the best teams next, next year. And I, I think personally, I think they were the second or third best team this year as well. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Gabriel, you wrote a nice little piece on Will Howard for the Big Big Banter blog. So obviously, you've done your homework there. Tell us what you think about Will Howard and sprinkle in a little bit more about Quinshawn and Seth McLaughlin as well. Uh, yes, Jr. I like I appreciate you mentioning the Big com slash blog post that I that I wrote. Uh, that's you know, it's a very well written piece. I highly recommend you checking that out. But I'd like to take a moment to maybe disagree with my Nebraska brethren for a moment. It's okay to disagree right. on outside teams because we know Nebraska's back. So that's as long as we're lining, as long as we're like this on that fact, that's all that matters. But in terms of in terms of Will Howard being a lateral move, I um, I just personally don't see that. I do see this as an upgrade, um, mainly because they ran really similar systems. Kansas State and Ohio State did. And um, so I what I don't want to do is hold something against them that is beyond their control. So the offensive line wasn't exactly great for Ohio State in critical moments. That being said, when McCord had did have time and did have opportunity, I think his footwork let him down and he short-armed a lot of passes. And Will Howard is just more fundamentally sound for me and a little more accurate with the deep ball. And so that's why I think Will Howard is an upgrade in that regard. Um, but, but Kansas State had a re- had really good offensive line play. And so I guess for my two Ohio State guys, um, does that worry you that Will Howard looked great, put up good numbers in the Big Twelve though, uh, with a with an offensive line that solidly did a really good job of protecting him? Does that concern you guys? Brent, you can take that if you want. Um, I, the, the, you said sorry. Could you re, could you repeat the question? I'm trying trying to uh, process uh, offensive line for Kansas State playing better, right? Playing better than Ohio State offensive line. It, yeah. It, so in pass protection, Kansas State did a really nice job throughout the year, and so now yeah. you know. I think this is a good addition for Ohio State. I forget his name. I apologize. The the guy from Alabama. You know, anytime you can get anyone from Nick Saban, thank you. <laughs> anytime you get anyone from um, Nick Saban that he saw potential, it's probably a good move. Um, but just comparing to Kansas State, did a really good job protecting for Will Howard. Are you concerned at all um, with how it could look next year under a little more pressure in the Big Ten behind what may or may not be an improved offensive line? Well, yeah, it's it's really going to come down to how the tackles play on uh, who we even have out there at tackle. Um, I, I can't recall if Josh Simmons has any um, eligibility left, but back. he's back. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Josh Simmons, it sounds like we're probably gonna have the same tackles out there that we had this past season uh, being Simmons and prior and they, it, yeah, and maybe, it, maybe it is an area of concern, um, you know, looking at, uh, the, I mean, you saw you saw McCord get collapsed on a lot this season, especially against Michigan. Um, it's it's, probably, it's going to be the same issue um, if if we have the same two tackles out there. The Michigan pass rush is get, probably going to get to Will Howard, but I'm I'm more confident in his ability to improvise um, and kind of you know make plays with his legs, get out of the pocket, uh, scramble out of the pocket, and throw to the open receiver. Uh, he just has more mobility than the cord, so he's kind of more fit for playing with the worst offensive line, in my opinion. Yep. What, what uh, do you think, Justin? Yeah, so I, I think another factor in this, too, is, you know, McCord, they, their offensive line may have not been better over there, but McCord's playing in the Big Ten, you know, uh, against much tougher defensive lines, and their offensive line's playing against uh, much tougher defensive lines. I think my my question will be, is Justin Fry getting fired? Um, and what is the, uh, you know, because I know Ohio State overall, the fan base, not not high on Justin Fry. I'm not is it one of those things where they're going to push him out of there this offseason, and maybe they can get another coach in there that can come in and revamp him? Or did Justin Fry recruit Seth McLaughlin? That's another thing that if Justin Fry recruited Seth McLaughlin, McLaughlin then he's definitely going to be there next year. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a big thing for me is that Justin Fry has not shown himself to be this massive recruiter uh, in the transfer portal or in 
you know, just regular recruiting. So um, for me, I find it hard to believe that Justin Fry was just this crazy, you know, good influence to get Seth McLaughlin there. Um, I feel like that was probably more Ryan Day's doing, uh, maybe a little bit more of Brian Hartline as the offensive coordinator. For now, rumors are Ohio State's going to hire a different offensive coordinator and Brian Hartline will go back to wide receivers. Um, but I think overall, Seth McLaughlin, McLaughlin sees uh, an area where he can start, maybe not at center, maybe at guard, or maybe he will be at center, who knows. Um, and so I think that is probably what's more attractive to him rather than Justin Fry. Um, and I do want to circle back to what Gabriel was asking, because I think it kind of goes into what you were asking there, Justin. Um, you know, Will Howard, when I watched his tape, and I didn't just watch the highlights, I watched, you know, full games. Um, when I watched his tape, he does a much, much better job of navigating the pocket than Kyle McCord did. Uh, Kyle McCord drifted backwards, sometimes drifted into the, mm-hmm. um, the pass rush. I was actually not super down on Josh Simmons this year. I felt like there were some plays where he did a good job and Kyle McCord just kind of drifted into the pass rusher that was trying to speed rush around Josh, Josh Simmons. Um, and so, my thought is I think we have talent on the offensive line. I think that Josh Simmons has good feet. He, you know, is a pretty twitched up guy to where he can make these things happen. But my issue is the technical things. You know, I see these guys in three point stances when they should be in two point stances at times. I see, uh, you know, bad hand placement. You know, there were a few holding calls where I saw the tackles, like they literally had their, their hands around the shoulders of the guy they are blocking. Like you're going to call it holding for that every single time. And so it's like, who's, who's teaching them that? Is it Justin Fry? I, I don't know. I, a lot of people are telling me that Justin Fry is a good coach. I don't see it. I, I don't see what he's done with this offensive line to make it look good. So I think Will Howard is a better option for the offensive line. Cause he has better pocket presence, but I, I am just not a Justin Fry believer personally i kind of hope that whatever offensive coordinator comes in says hey i need this offensive line coach to come with me and uh and he moves on from there does that answer your question justin yeah and uh to your point you know i doubt he's coaching that into him but his job is to coach that out of him and he's not doing that right right and that's a huge thing as well so all right um yeah and uh you know does ohio state contend for the big 10 I, I, there's been like one time in my lifetime when Ohio state didn't contend for the, uh, for the big 10. So my answer is going to be, yes, they will probably contend in this situation. Gabriel, you with me on that? They're going to contend. I am. I am. I, they were, I mean, they were one drive away from potentially going to the big 10 championships themselves. So a hundred percent. I want to ask my Ohio state brothers. One more question. Uh, you have to beat the team up north of your Ohio State, and Ryan Day has not done that. But seeing how they have, how this year they were this close, and is this next year? And they're now revamping. Like it looks like they are retooled. If nothing else, they're going to be about the same as they were this year. Do you, is this a much? Is this a must win for Ryan Day against Michigan next year? I mean, uh, we, uh, go ahead, Brent. I was going to say, we thought this year was a must win. And uh, I mean, it came down to the wire, but we ultimately couldn't pull it off in Ann Arbor. That that just makes this year, this coming year, even more of a must win. I really do think that if Ryan Day loses four in a row, he might be canned and Ohio State might look elsewhere. And I think he knows that. Uh, but as as far as actually getting it done, he needs to instill that dog mentality into his guys. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz after uh, the bowl game talked a lot about Ohio State being soft and how um, Missouri was just bigger, stronger, more physical, more athletic than them. And he wasn't wrong when he said that. Um, the team did go kind of soft and they, they've looked very soft in those Michigan games the past few years as well. Um, I do really like what I saw from the defense this year uh, from Jim Knowles. And I, a lot of those guys are coming back. Um, I think a lot of those guys have the right mentality. Um, and I think if some of those guys can step up in the locker room and kind of instill it throughout the locker room, um, maybe a leader in Will Howard who I, I believe can can instill that, uh, then I think Ohio State can take that step forward and can finally get it done. 
Yeah, uh, Ryan Day has to beat Michigan this year. Yeah, or he's gone. Then he might get if he doesn't next year, especially if Harbaugh leaves. He might get the Herm Edwards treatment at Arizona State and get fired before he leaves the field. Yeah. Uh, the, the only thing that would save him if he doesn't beat Michigan is if he wins the national championship. Yeah. Um, which, if you lose to Michigan, I don't you know may not make it there. You <laughs> may not get fired before um, that even happens. But yeah, I mean, right. And, and I think you, you kind of see with Ryan Day, you know, going after these transfer portal guys, he knows he's coaching for his job this season. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. That'll be fun. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Appreciate you. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. This was a good discussion about Ohio State, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, the Big Ten, everything else. Do keep it locked in here on the Big Ten Huddle. We have a football episode every Tuesday coming out. Justin's going to be joining me for the month of January, uh, and I'm sure we'll have Brant and Gabriel back again at some point before uh, basketball season's over, or maybe, maybe even later this month. We'll see. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you guys for coming on. Appreciate it. Have a great night. Peace. Thanks.